Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's so good to see you this morning. Thank you, Ting. Uh, and Ting, with that very cryptic announcement there at the end, these are gift cards to Dunkin' Donuts, but we seem to have lost a bunch of them, and I hope maybe you can help us find them. If you at any point today find them, uh, please just go ahead and raise your hand and let us know that you found them. Uh, I'll just leave it right there. Uh, and, by, and like Ting said, if you find it, you can keep it. So it's, it's yours if you find them. Thank you for, uh, for being here this morning. It's great to see you all in worship. I know I haven't been here for a couple of weeks. We've been away traveling, and so it's been uh, a little bit of a time away from Mount Hope, and it's, we've, I've missed you guys. So it's so good to be back together in worship this morning. We're going to be continuing our sermon series called Go and Do Likewise, where we talk through the parables of Jesus, the stories, the reflections of Jesus through the book of Luke that we'll be talking about today as well. And so I want to ask you this question. Have you ever lost something of value? Have you ever lost something that was valuable to you? And when you did, how did you respond if you've lost something of value? So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, we'll be in Luke chapter 15. I encourage you, even though the verses will be up on the screen behind me, I encourage you to use the pew Bibles that are right in front of you. Let me say it this way. I strongly, strongly encourage you to use the pew Bibles that are right in front of you and turn to Luke chapter 15. I believe it's page 874. Luke chapter 15. I'll give you all a minute to grab that Bible in front of you. You may really want to grab the Bible in front of you this morning and see what you find in that Bible. Ah, I see some chattering going on. I think some of you may have found something that was once lost. And let's turn to that passage of Scripture together, Luke chapter 15. I'll be reading from verse 1 through verse 10. So I hope you'll join me as we follow through on these verses. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one of them. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This passage of scripture, if you've grown up in church or been a part of a Sunday school class even, you've probably heard this many, many times, where Jesus gives these two very powerful parables, these very two powerful reflections on something that's happening in the moment. Now, throughout this sermon series, we've been reminding us that parables are not life hacks. They're not ways to live a better life or to be more prosperous. That's not what these parables are. 
they are a direct result of something that's happening in the moment that Jesus needs to comment on. And they are something for us to change our perspective on how we look at that specific instance or that specific moment. They are perspective changers. That's what a parable actually is. And so Jesus comes into this moment and gives these two powerful parables about things that were lost. In fact, there's one more after this that we'll learn a little bit more next week. But these two powerful parables, the first one is of a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. And 99 of them are in great condition in the open country. But he loses one of them and rather than just holding on to the 99 he still has... He leaves the 99 in the country and searches after this one lost sheep and puts, finds the sheep and puts them on his shoulder and joyfully returns back to the pasture and throws a massive over-the-top party to celebrate the one sheep that was lost and now found. And then Jesus doesn't stop there. He provides a second parable of this woman who has 10 coins, 10 coins representing 10 days of work, likely her entire life savings as well, 10 coins that represent her wealth. And she loses one of them. And rather than just holding on to the nine that she still has, she lights a lamp and sweeps her entire home to find the one coin. And when she does find it, she doesn't just add the coin to her other coins and just say, that's it. She throws a lavish party to say, rejoice with me for I found the one lost coin that I could not find. These are the parables Jesus delivers. But remember what we said, these are not just nice stories and these are not just life hacks. They actually are a response to something that's happening in the moment. And that something is found in verse 1 that we just read this morning. It says like this in Luke 15, 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's why Jesus delivers these two parables. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the time, and they are standing in one side watching as Jesus sits and eats with tax collectors and sinners and sits with them and dines with them and talks with them and engages them and builds relationship with them. They stand at a distance and say, how could a rabbi, a teacher, a good man ever associate with these people? The question is, Jesus, why would you do this? And the answer is these two parables. Now, I think we need to understand the context a little deeper of what's going on. Now, tax collectors were not just people who worked for the IRS. Tax collectors in Jesus' time were considered the lowest of the low, not necessarily in society, but by people of religion. Why? Now, the Roman Empire at the time was well advanced beyond most kingdoms of the time, especially when it came to tax collection. When the Roman Empire would take over a land or a region, they would auction off sections of the land to these people called publicans. They would auction it off to them. And so a person could come and bid on a region and say, I will pay you X amount of coins or X amount of gold to buy this region. 
and then I will collect taxes from that region. I can set the price. I can get whatever I want to get. I have to still give some back to Rome, but I can keep any bit of profit that comes beyond that. So now imagine being a first century Jewish person living under Roman control and having to pay these exorbitant taxes, not just to Rome, but to these evil, thieving con artists who are stealing your money also. And so these tax collectors were considered low lives. They were considered deceitful con artists. And Jesus is sitting with them, having a meal with them, talking with them, engaging with them. And these religious people are standing at a distance saying, how could you ever sit with these people? Why would you ever talk to these people? And Jesus responds with these two stories. About two things that are lost, one sheep and one coin. I want to ask you this morning, how do you respond when something is lost? How many of you even sitting here right now have lost something of value that you have no idea where it is right now? Now, I'm not just talking about the keys that you needed to find to get here or your phone before you got out of the house this morning, but something of value that maybe you lost years ago and you still don't know where it is. I can think of several things in my own life that I've lost that I still don't know where it is. And it's this unsolved mystery that will never likely be solved this side of heaven. I will never know where that jacket went in 1997. I'll never know where that spare set of keys went in 2003. I'll never know, probably. How do you respond when something is lost? I've shared this story before the time I got lost as a child in a shopping mall. And I remember that feeling of being lost myself, where there was this moment where I was separated from my parents, and it only took me five or six seconds to realize I was lost. And I started screaming and crying, looking for help. This wasn't last week. It was like when I was six years old. <laughs> and I was screaming and crying, looking for my parents because I was lost. I knew it right away. And then I also remember a time when my family was driving from from Dallas, Texas to Houston, Texas. And we were in this car. This is long before your phones could tell you where you're going. We just had a simple atlas, like a map in our hands, and that was it. We left someone's home in Dallas to drive down to Houston. We drove almost two hours down before we realized that there's a sign in front of us that says, Welcome to Oklahoma. We'd been driving in the wrong direction the entire time. And so we had to drive all the way back, and it took us hours to realize we were lost. For so many of us, this is where this passage comes into play. For some of us, we recognized quickly that we were lost, and that Jesus left all of the glories of heaven to come and find us and save us, and that's why you're here on a Sunday morning. Because of what he did for you, I was lost, and now I'm found because of the love of Jesus. And some of us are on a journey between Dallas and Houston and are getting closer to Oklahoma and don't realize that we're lost right now. 
And for some of us, that's why you're here right now. It's hard to recognize, why do I have this lostness in my heart? Why do I not feel connected to God? What's going on in my life, in my future? Why is there this restlessness in my life? And the reminder this morning is that you and I, whatever situation you found yourself in, were one time that one lost sheep that went away from the flock and Jesus came after us and found us. And some of us this morning just need to be reminded of this simple fact that you are not a nobody this morning. That Christ came and found you. That he was willing to give his life to save you and to find you and to bring you back to him. That this was something that he did for us. But ultimately, if we look at this passage of scripture and don't recognize why Jesus is saying what he's saying, we might miss what he's asking us to go and do likewise. So how do you react when something is lost? You see, I think there are three things that the scripture is showing us that we should be doing when something of value is lost. Let's be clear here. The Pharisees are muttering. They're grumbling. How could you sit with these tax collectors and sinners? How could you do this? Why would you do this? And Jesus says, I value something differently than you do. And we see that in this passage of scripture. So he says, because I value something differently than you do, I do something differently than you do. So what's the call to us as a church this morning? To go and do likewise, he's saying that when something of value is lost, the first thing there must be is a pursuit of that thing which is lost. That you and I must go and search, we must pursue the thing that is lost. Do you notice that the shepherd, he runs off into the countryside to find that lost sheep. The woman pursues the coin that is lost before her. There's something that must be pursued. There's a pursuit involved in this process. So I think what Jesus is asking every one of us this morning is what are you pursuing? What are you looking for? What's of value to you that's worth looking for right now? And if I break down my day, if I break down my time, if I break down my spending habits, what I pursue seems quite different from what Jesus is pursuing here. If I'm pursuing only advancement in my career, if I'm pursuing only a stress-free life, if I'm pursuing only convenience and happiness, that doesn't seem to be what Jesus is pursuing. Jesus comes and he preaches in front of giant crowds. And then he preaches in the synagogue to the religious people and the people who would walk into a temple. But then watch what he does. He goes into the homes of people who may never walk into a temple. He pursues them. He says that I have come to seek and save the lost. I will pursue them. I will go after them. And if I'm honest this morning, when I look at my 100 sheep, and when I look at my 10 coins, if one of them goes lost, it's okay. Because I'm going to hold on tight to the other 99. I'm going to hold on to what I already have. And this is where Jesus starts to call out the Pharisees. You're holding on to what you have instead of going after what God wants you to go after. 
And I think for so many of us, this is the challenge we face every day. If Jesus was willing to come to this earth and go after us, go after the people who are lost, shouldn't I do the same? Shouldn't I pursue that which was lost with all of my heart, with everything that I have? Shouldn't I pursue that? But I think instead what we do is we pursue what's convenient for us, what's comfortable for us, what we would like to pursue. We pursue those things. And those Pharisees were standing in the corner muttering and grumbling about what they see in front of them. They've held on so tight to everything that gives them status and gives them uh, real, real cachet in the society. He, they hang on to those things, what makes them good, instead of what Jesus values, which is the lost. A couple of years ago, a really big film came out, a movie called Lion came out. And how many of you saw this movie, a movie called Lion? It was a, uh, a film, yeah, some of you have seen it. It's the true life story based on a, a man named Sheru Brierly. Uh, you may have seen his book also. It's called a book called The Long Way Home. It's the true life story of this young man. I won't ruin the movie for you if you're hoping to see it at some point, but one of the most incredible true life stories I think I've seen in recent years. Sheru was a small boy, a little boy of five, six years old, growing up in a small village in India. And one day he and his brother go out to find food for the family. And when they go out, they have to go through some train stations to go and beg. And they have to go and find food in those areas. A very poor family. The two brothers separate for just a few moments. They separate to go in different directions. But they soon become lost and can't find each other. And so eventually little Sheru, five-year-old Sheru, falls asleep on a bench waiting for his brother. When he wakes up hours later, he can't find his brother. And so he decides to look around the train station, eventually getting on a train and looking for his brother on a train that's just sitting at the platform. Eventually, Sheru falls asleep on the train and wakes up while it's moving. And he travels for days on a train as a little five-year-old boy not knowing where he's going. And eventually, days later, he gets off the train and you get to see what happens later in his life, you get to find out. But eventually, he's adopted by a family in Australia. And Sheru, as a 25-year-old man now in Australia, grew up in Australia, educated in Australia, wants to go back and find his original family. He has these tiny glimpses of memories of things that happened. And you'll see this incredible story because throughout his life he wanted to know more, but it was impossible because there was no way to trace where he came from. Until a technology called Google Earth came out. And Sheru, over the course of years, would pinpoint every train station in all of India and zoom in to find this one building that he had in his memory to try to find the train station where he started from. It would take him years to go through them. It would take multiple trips back and forth to India. It would take all kinds of heartache and problems to go and try to find the village that he originally came from. And all along, there are people in his life who ask him this question, why are you still looking? You're looking not only for a needle in a haystack, you're looking for a haystack because you don't even know where that is. And Sheru keeps saying, I will look because I have no other choice. I must look. 
I won't ruin what happens at the end of this film or at the end of this book. But I want to ask you this question. When Jesus comes to this earth and pursues the lost desperately, and I live my life every day acting like it's a part of my life, where's the disconnect? Because Jesus says if something of value is lost, it must be pursued. I think for many of us, this is where we have to ask a hard question. Do we see people the way the Pharisees saw people? That they are not worth it. That they're long past being found or they are too far gone from being found that they are not worth pursuing. Is that how we look at people? Because if we do, then we're just like the Pharisees who claim to be religious but don't have the heart of Jesus. Jesus says, if something is of value, you pursue it. You go after it. Just like a shepherd, just like a woman who lost a coin, if something is lost and it has value, you go after it. But here's the problem. I often won't because deep down, I don't think there's as much value. This morning, I want you to ask yourself, what are you pursuing? And is what you are pursuing in line with what Jesus pursues? He pursues the lost because he thinks the lost are valuable. Now, I think Jesus says something else as well. He says it's not enough that you pursue something that's lost. He says you have to be near where it was lost. He says there must be proximity in your life as well. Look what the shepherd does. He leaves the 99 to go and pursue the lost sheep. Look what the woman does. She doesn't lose a coin and just huddle up with the nine other coins. She goes and looks for the one that's lost. Watch how Jesus ministers throughout his life here on earth. He is constantly putting himself in a place where he can be near the lost. He's constantly close to what he values. If you look at the, throughout the Gospels, Jesus goes to the home of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus goes to the home of tax collectors. He goes to the home of Pharisees. He goes to the home, uh, and he's, he's ministered to by women that were caught in sin and adultery and other crimes, and they were always close because he believed in proximity. That if you want to find something that's lost, you need to go where it was lost. Who's the most, or, or let me say it this way, who's the least helpful person when you lose something? Isn't it the person who says, did you look where you were before? I feel like that always happens. I'm probably that person most of the time. I lost something. Oh, did you look where you were before? No, I decided to look everywhere else. Of course that person went and looked where they were before. Because there's this concept that we constantly use when something is lost. It's called retrace your steps. And Jesus says when something is lost, he wants you to retrace your steps. Now, what does that mean? Every one of us are close to people or around people who don't know Jesus the way that you may know him. And rather than just passively going through life together, 
Jesus asks you to be close to that person, to build connection and relationship with that person, to engage that person, and retrace your steps. Tell that person about where you used to be, what you used to be likely, and what life is like for you because of knowing Jesus. Retrace your steps. He says none of this happens unless there's proximity, unless there's closeness, unless you know where to look. Look, if a carpenter is only hanging around other carpenters, he will never meet someone who needs a house built. And in the same way, if we're only hanging around other people who know Jesus and worship Jesus and love Jesus, then we're never going to be around someone that Christ values, someone that has deep, deep intrinsic value in the sight of God. The person who thinks different from you, the person who votes different from you, the person who lives different from you, Jesus says they are worth pursuing and you can't find them unless you're in the place where you are close to them. Proximity is critical. And I think about how often I stay with people I'm comfortable around. And Jesus, this religious leader, this rabbi, this teacher went around people that he wasn't necessarily supposed to be comfortable around. Around people who may not have been comfortable around him. He was close to them and he engaged them. Why? Because he found value in them. How many of you found a gift card this morning in that passage of scripture that we were looking at? Hold it up for me if you don't mind. Some of you did. Yeah, there you are. A couple of you. Some of you are like, oh, that's where they were hidden. Yeah, they're in some of those Bibles around you if you want to look later after service too. There is a gift card to Dunkin' Donuts inside each one of these envelopes. Now, imagine for a second that I crumple up this envelope, and this envelope is now crumpled and destroyed. Does what's inside lose its value? No, the gift card still has value and is redeemable at your local Dunkin' Donuts. And this is the way Jesus looks at every one of these people that he's engaged with, that they have value. Even if the outside looks like this, they still have value and they are worth pursuing. So what will I do? I'll go be near them to pursue them, to love them, to show them the truth of the gospel, and to do it with grace by being in proximity with them. A couple of years ago in Malaysia, Airlines was lost over the ocean. If you remember this story, what a heartbreaking tragedy that was when this airline just went missing. If you remember, there was a search, a $160 million search that took place for that airline over one very specific part of the Indian Ocean because the experts believed that the plane stopped communicating at a certain point and was heading in a certain direction at that point. Therefore, it was likely that this is the stretch of ocean that we should search. $160 million over two years to search in that specific part of the ocean. At the end of the two years, the grand result was, I think we were searching in the wrong place. Now, when they come back with, I think we were searching in the wrong place, here's what they're saying. We were looking for something of value that was lost, but we were looking in the wrong place. And for so many of us, if we look at our lives, we like to say that we believe in this. And we like to say that we would help those who need help. 
But Jesus says, if you're pursuing them, you've got to be looking in the right place. You've got to go to them. You've got to be close and in proximity to them. This is what Jesus did. This is what the woman does with the coin. This is what the shepherd does with the sheep. When something is lost, you pursue it. So it's about pursuit and proximity, but there's a third thing that we've been learning throughout this sermon series. That there's also a change in perspective. That there is something that must happen in each of us to turn around the way that we think. Because that's ultimately what Jesus is doing through this parable. If you think about Jesus' entire time on earth, he was flipping the way people think. Right? The first will be last and the last will be first. The exalted will be humbled and the humbled will be exalted. He's flipping the economy of that time. And here he comes to the disciples, he comes to the Pharisees, he comes to the home of a tax collector and he starts to tell them that we need to flip the way that we think. That you and I are so busy valuing what we value that we celebrate what we celebrate. Think about what we celebrate. We celebrate things that we value. We celebrate births because we think life is precious and beautiful. We celebrate weddings and, and because we believe that family is precious and beautiful. We celebrate graduations because we believe that advancement is precious and beautiful. And these are amazing things. Do you notice that every one of these parables, there's a celebration involved? You'll see one next week as well. There is something lost, it is found, and a celebration ensues. In fact, Jesus says like this, that the angels in heaven are celebrating because of one sinner that turns from their ways. So I want to ask you about the change in perspective that we can start to have right now. When I value what I value, I celebrate what I celebrate. But when you value what heaven values, you will celebrate what heaven celebrates. There's a change in perspective that some of us need to have this morning. If Jesus was willing to come down and seek and save a lost person like me, shouldn't I go and do likewise? Shouldn't I go and be near someone maybe this week? Someone that I've built a relationship with over time, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, a family member, and just be in proximity with them, to engage them, to talk to them, to love them, to care for them, to check in on them. Because if Jesus values the lost and celebrates when they're found, then I should value the lost and celebrate when they're found. Why do we celebrate baptisms in this church with testimonies? Because we celebrate the lost that were found. All of us were lost and Jesus found us. This is how Ephesians chapter 2 says it. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. That's another word for lost. It is by grace that you have been saved that's another word for found. Even when we were dead and away 
and missing in action. Jesus loved us to a point where he came into this world, took on the form of man and loved us, even loved us to death on a cross. Because we were lost and he found us. In the same way, you and I are called to go and find that which is lost. And we need to have an urgency about it. I often watch these true crime shows. And in every one of them, there's this myth sometimes. Sometimes it's true, sometimes it's mythical. That if someone goes missing, you have to wait 24 hours to report them missing. Now, most law enforcement will tell you that's not really true. But when a child goes missing... That is absolutely not true. That is an immediate search. And here's what law enforcement will say. When a child goes missing, time is of the essence. We cannot delay. We must pursue them. And this is what Jesus is sharing in this passage. He's telling us, he's telling the Pharisees who are listening and the people in that house With these two parables, that the lost are valuable, the lost are worth pursuing, the lost are worth being near, and the lost need to be pursued right away. You and I have an opportunity to do this every day. Maybe some of you who found that gift card this morning can use that gift card to do that this week. To go and pursue someone in relationship, to be near them, to converse with them, to talk to them, to love them. And then go and pursue them. Why? Not because we get gold badges for leading the lost to be found, but because Jesus values them. And that's the pursuit of heaven. It's the pursuit of our lives. It's what heaven values. Therefore, it's what we should value as well. As our worship team comes back up and we prepare to close our service this morning, I invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads with me as we reflect on what we just heard. If nothing else, I hope you'll understand that we are called to value what heaven values. I want you to think about God himself leaving his almighty glory and his throne to come and pursue us. He valued you. He values all of us. And because of that value, he pursued us. And this morning, if you have gathered here today and you're saying, look, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I like what you're saying. I believe in some of what you're saying. But ultimately, I can't claim this for myself. I remind you that Jesus came for you. That just like me, you were one of the 99 sheep, one of the 100 sheep that went missing. And he pursued you. That he loves you enough to die and take your place and remove sin from your life once and for all through what he did on the cross. And for some of you gathered this morning, you hear this and you recognize there is a go and do likewise for you. That Christ is calling me to go and do what he did, to pursue, to live in proximity, and to change my perspective. Right now, as you are in prayer, as your eyes are closed and your, eyes are, and your heads are bowed, 
Jesus pursued the one. Who is the one in your life? The one that he's asking you to pursue. Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal that person to you even this morning. Who is the one? Even this week, I can check in on her. I can send him a text. I can engage in conversation. I can be in proximity. I can retrace my steps and tell my story to this person. Who is your one? Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we recognize God so often that we value what we value, so we celebrate what we celebrate. And in the process, we miss what heaven values and we miss what heaven celebrates. God, I thank you for the reminder this morning that we are not called to stand at a distance and to grumble about what you're doing. But we're called to engage. Lord, I thank you for every life that's here this morning, especially to the person who feels distant from you. Thank you for the reminder this morning that you came to seek and save the lost, and that's what you did. You saved me. And God, for each of my friends this morning who are in a place where there is someone in your, their lives, someone who doesn't know about the love of God, and they're wandering farther and farther away, God, and you've placed them in such a situation where they can have an influence on that person. God, I pray even this week that there will be an opportunity for proximity to show itself. God, I thank you again because you pursued me. When I was dead in my transgressions, you made me alive in Christ. When I was lost, God, you found me. And I thank you for that this morning. We give you all the thanks, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand to your feet as our worship team leads us and as we close today.